the background is we were having discussions after all of the episodes and realized that we were making some really good points. Uh, <laughs> Connecting the, some dots that were just you and I were hearing. <laughs> yeah, so like, hey, let's uh, record some of these. So uh, at least a semi-regular feature, if not a regular feature, will be some of these analyses, depending on how good I guess they turn out to be. Welcome to a bonus analysis and discussion episode with the hosts of the Path Distilled podcast. In these episodes, we talk about the guests that we just had on, how it connects to the guests we've had in the past, and give our take on what you've heard. That was amazing. It was, you know, one of the things that jumped out to me and the reason why I asked that question about thrill seeking is because I, he mentioned at one point, like feeling like he, he uh, had find kind of like his own way of doing the shows. Right. And so it piqued my interest. Cause I think people, we, people we, we bucket people into categories, right? like a magician or a mentalist, they, they're a thrill seeker and they're just about doing like really cool things and then doing more and more crazy ones, especially a lot of people as of late that get, you know, a lot of mm. media atten- exposure. Cause I, I liked that he was talking about that for him, it was really more about the problem solving piece, right? And that he seems to just really love one, one solving problems, but two, the performance aspect, right? Like getting that, that, that emotion and that experience out there for the, the people in the audience. Yeah, no, I'm... sorry. I... <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm kind of speechless because he fit the model that we've, trained on most closely so far so i'm yeah. still soaking that in but yeah i agree with you the david blaine type model of like let's do this spectacle where i'm in the water for however many days he did that you're contrasting him with that type of model right yeah yeah whereas for him it's not about like that one crazy trick it it seemed more like authentic to magicians right like a, a stage performance and doing yeah. things that people can't understand or figure out you know, and, and creating those illusions, right, to, to do that. And also, um, he was at least the second, if not third, to mention the desire as being the natural mm-hmm. component, which mm-hmm. I was noticing a theme. He mentioned his desire, but I also found it interesting that he used the word interest, right, because I think that that ties to motivation, which I don't think people necessarily always think about, right? Like, it reminds me of, um, what was the guy's name? the the Polish guy that had the child the three daughters Polgar yeah Polgar right where he just like put chess stuff in front of the girls when they were kids to see if they got drawn to it and then they did and then that's when you know it kind of got more and more folded into it right so it reminded me of that 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 interest piece you know whether we could probably debate whether or not it's that's a nature thing or you can develop interest but um, I thought it was interesting that he viewed that as kind of the nature piece. There's that genuine interest and in being drawn to something. And I intended to ask, but forgot because we got on other topics, but I was curious as to whether his parents were the one that he said he started acting at seven. I was curious as to whether his parents actually was the impetus behind that or if it was uh, his desire, because that could have been an early version of that. If mm-hmm as he pointed out, magic or being a mentalist is not that different as far as performance wise. So. Yeah, that was interesting. 
And the practice piece I thought was interesting too, right? The difference between, you know, like it reminds me of uh, Hatano and Inagaki who talked about, um, uh, what was it? Routine versus adaptive expertise, right? So routine expertise is like the example I always give is the the sous chef or the, you know, McDonald's chef that it's like, you're always put, you always have to put together the same exceptional thing every single day versus the adaptive expert, like the SWAT police officers or critical care nurses that we studied or, you know, sport performers where they're in a sport that the, the, where the, the things are kind of constantly changing that they're having to do. Right. So maybe that I liked him talking through that idea of like performing is actually practice for him because he's doing that he's producing that same show pretty much it sounds like at least for some time period he's producing that same show and has to do it at a high quality over and over and over again I was impressed and this kind of dovetails with that if he's doing 150 shows a year uh, that is an objective measurement of his expertise as expert performance in the sense that people aren't going to pay for it if it's not high quality mm-hmm. um so any i kept thinking he said he didn't relate that well as far as his life or performance career uh, to mus- musicians but i think it's the same vein if someone is making a living out of it that in of itself in music is considered successful and i think mm-hmm. that number of shows a year the proof is in the pudding yeah, as far as that goes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was cool to hear him also though really talk about the entrepreneur side of it, right? And the fact that like, you know, similar to uh, like Katie Cole, right? She talks about, she's like a, a one woman show basically for her whole thing, right? Like marketing, you know, business modeling, all these things that they, you know, even the way he talked about like investing money forward into the next year, like, so having that kind of, entrepreneurial mindset but also approach um is something that i think people don't think about yeah that might be a malleable malleable moment in the sense that our aspect in the sense that maybe and i guess a someone that's so focused on the artistic side might still dismiss the idea of needing the entrepreneurship but uh, you're exactly right maybe that's what kind of a secret sauce the two equally equally capable performers one has this skill one is going to stall the other probably will not at least to the same degree so i've also been wondering if that's just a feature of society and where we're moving right like it, it kind if you think about music as an example right like there never used to be streaming and these shows for people to get on and all that right like you you had to get recognize like you had to get found basically by someone and then that person helped cultivate you and bring you forward whereas now i think society is more about like you've got to do it like you've got to do the work um you've got to put yourself out there and and figure it all out and how to get exposure and how to capitalize things so i think as as the world uh, you know is getting less uh traditional and as as different industries are getting maybe less traditional or the paths are opening up or all that then I know some people talk about it like the increased competition almost right there's millions of people now who could get some airtime on social media or something like how are you going to be the one that actually gets the career to go forward one of the things that I've worked on I know people are going to get tired of me mentioning this but there's another project that I've worked on that's um has a lot of music industry people. And one of the things that's consistent that 
impresses those folks is how hard someone works or at least how skillful uh, not some combination so I kind of it, it kind of um, intersects here with what you're saying it's the new normal or the the new model that everyone has to promote themselves and to be honest also like what's you know he he kind of presented like the dark side of media right a little bit and and mm. showbiz but like think about how he got on to that show it sounds like at least right like the sensationalism of having someone who had a, a seemingly you know kind of big failure that was portrayed by the media was the reason that he got brought on there i think that too right presents some some interesting things here for people who are trying to pursue different paths in some of these entertainment areas I would be remiss if I didn't mention he was able to articulate at least, and I think I mentioned this in the beginning of the analysis, but he articulated our approach, or at least the approach we were trained in, as well as anyone, any of our guests have so far, as far as the way that we would frame it, uh, particularly the lineup, uh, 10 children, I think he said of 10 years old, mm -hmm. and he could give all of them the same amount of tasks and let them spend time on those tasks and they would advance, they would all advance. You know, as he uh, was talking, I'm like, this is exactly how Anders would have presented this problem. <laughs> uh, so I'm sure there'll be some listeners who kind of disagree with that. The other that that's thing an oversimplification. The other thing I would say, though, that I thought was a fascinating way that he thought about things and, and termed them was the idea of upskilling. Right, like he didn't talk about getting degrees and all that as like a backup plan or what I might do mm. in the future. To him, it was it's the upskilling term was a so entrepreneurial, but also like such a different, a particular mindset to have. Right, of looking at how all these things, even if they don't seem connected to what you're doing, could give you useful skills and knowledge that you can utilize. And I think that's uh, an excellent point because one thing that people often miss until they have a vision or a goal or a purpose is once you realize that once you've identified that vision or goal or purpose, or it might be all this one in the same for you, it's no longer, if the stuff that you're being digesting is useful, it's no longer a waste of time if you thought it was before, because now it's, and I'm using a cliche, you're putting that in your tool belt. Um, so if you're learning to do marketing and you have a, you're marketing yourself, that's your either side hustle or your actual gig, then how can you say that's a waste of time, particularly if it's quality stuff that you're taking in? So yeah, yeah excellent point there. And upskilling, upskilling is a great way to phrase it and to think of it. If you don't have a vision, you're probably gonna see everything as a waste of time because and I, that sounds harsh. If you don't have a goal, let's not make it personal. If you don't have a goal that you're working towards, probably a lot of stuff does seem like it's redundant or unnecessary but I think it's also too though about seeing the opportunity in things right and that anything can be useful if you make it so like I remember I used to tell my grad students about this one book that I read for fun like I was not trying to read it to have any sort of learning or growth value for me it was just a book that I found the story really interesting and, you know, if I go grab the book and show it to you, like it has paper clips in it everywhere and it has, mm. you know, stars everywhere. Cause it was, I just saw so much as I was reading it, I'm like, oh, that could be cool. I could bring that into a coaching session. Like I wasn't reading it for that, but 
it had such, I was looking at it through that lens, you know, even when I wasn't trying to, and it sounds like that's a lot what he, how he views this idea of, you know, if he's going out and taking, you know, getting a degree or taking a course, like it's all, it seems like it's, he's viewing it in that sense of this could help me be a better business person or magician or whatever. He's making some sort of connection, even when there doesn't seem to be one. And now that you brought that up, that's a theme that's occurred. What is it that you're, they've used different language or different wording for it, but what is it to simplify it? What are you trying to accomplish? What do you want this to be? What is your end game has come up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so to use a cliche or well-used term, what is your personal mission statement? And it's, it's not easy. Sometimes it takes a lot of uh, that in itself is the reflection or the time that one has to spend. Yeah. And I think it's also though, it's not just the, the end goal, it's the process that you use to try and get there. We, we used to think of these very streamlined process. I have this goal and I'm going to take these steps to get there. And I think now we're seeing that through some of the people that we're talking to that, you know, not only is that not a straight path right like it's not just a straight line to the the finish line but it's also uh of like a a very diverse path that can get you there right and that that's part of it that you um see different ways of cultivating the very multifaceted skill set you have to develop in order to get to where you want to go well to use the podcast as an example if the goal could be at this point, it could be different later, but the initial goal could be produce high quality content. And then if we continue at that short term goal, then that leads to longer term goals that can be built upon. It's yeah. And I think to what I'm saying is it's also like the multifaceted goals within that goal, because think about what you just said, produce high quality content that could look a lot of different ways, right? And what, and then what skills are needed to do that, right? Like we, we have to be good conversationalists. We have to have good nonverbal skills. We've got to ask good questions. We've got to bring on good people. We've got to have this knowledge base to draw from, right? Like there's a lot of things involved there. And he, I think was the one that it resonated with me the most that seemed like he, he understood that, right? Like it, it wasn't just something he did, but he actually understood that that's the process you have to undergo to become good at something right and to reach a goal well i couldn't have said it any better (laughs) (laughs) that was well put yeah i thought it was uh, an amazing interview i thought his story was great was happy that the connection held since he was all the way in south africa yeah no it's nice to hear about that part of you know that corner of the world and and what it's like to not just develop your craft and try to become an expert but do so um i think in a, at least for us you know here in the u.s we don't really I, I know he mentioned trevor noah that's a big name and there are a couple others he mentioned too but we don't really get to you know see what the 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 iceberg and underneath the iceberg looks like at that corner of the world. So I really enjoyed hearing, you know, about just what it was like to grow up there and, and try to pursue his path and his journey um, being from where he is. The Path Distilled is hosted by Kevin Harris and Lauren Tashman, created and produced by Kevin Harris. The content is copyrighted by The Path Distilled, all right reserved. <laughs>